Are your kitchen and bathroom remodels a little overdue? Well, now's your chance to call First Response Contracting. John Sellers will take care of you. 484-256-7136. They do residential and commercial, and they're licensed and insured. Give them a call at 484-256-7136. Hello, how you doing? This is Brad Wiseman, and you're listening to Real Estate NU. And we have uh, an awesome guest coming up right now on the phone. Uh, this guy is another state rep from Pennsylvania. His name is Frank Ryan. He's out of the Lebanon County area, and he's got all kinds of stuff to talk about, about real estate and what's going on in the county, what's going on in the state right now, I should say. And uh, we're going to get him on the phone right now. So, um, hey, Frank, are you there? Brad, I am. And thanks for letting me be on the show. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, this is great, man. I got to tell you, I think we met actually through um, through the the um, Facebook group I started, I believe, or or somebody that had said, hey, you need to talk to this guy. I, I don't recall. It was actually a little bit of both. It was on Facebook and then also uh, Representative Jim Cox is a good friend of mine. And, oh, good. And uh, Ryan McKenzie and others we were all part of a similar group that are trying to establish some degree of fiscal responsibility, accountability, and sanity to what's going in, <laughs> on in Pennsylvania, if that's possible at the rate the uh, the governor is going. And, and I got to tell you, I I am so appreciative of people like you and Jim Cox and Mackenzie and all. I I mean, we need you right now more than ever. And and I keep telling my friends, you know, that anybody that you can reach out to that is a state representative or a state a senator uh, or even U.S. rep and U.S. senator, um, you know, reach out because it, it does matter. The more they hear from us, the better the the better thing. Things can be. So we're going to just jump right into it. You've been a state rep for how long? It's been three years now. I'm a, a small business owner. I'm a CPA and I specialize in keeping companies out of bankruptcy. And I'm also a retired Marine colonel. So uh, I've had a little bit of a diverse background. Well, thank you for your service. I did tell you that before, but thank you. Anytime. My pleasure. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get, we're going to get into um, I, what's interesting and, and maybe you can, you can tap into this April 9th I saw on your on your actually on your website that you were already talking about April 9th you were talking about economic recovery for our state and here we are what is today May 8th and nothing is going on it's uh, Brad I'm I've never been more concerned that my practice as a CPA I specialize in keeping companies out of bankruptcy yeah and one of my expertise in the Marine Corps I was a commanding officer of what was called a Civil Affairs and Psychological Operation Command. And I spent a lot of time in Eastern Europe and, and in the Caribbean area. My expertise was economic warfare. Okay. And what uh, I'm also an Iraq and, and Afghanistan veteran. And, and I will tell you that the, the reason I ran for office at my ripe old age of 69, I ran when I was 66, was because I believe Pennsylvania – was on a verge of going into bankruptcy. Right, and in fact, right. when I ran for, well, when I ran for office, I made the comment that we have two to four years to make tough financial decisions. And if we don't, the decisions we'll have to make will be so politically unpalatable that no one will make them. And then we'll become insolvent. We'll go the way of Illinois. And then this COVID-19 hit. And uh, it, whether it's a COVID-19 or an economic meltdown, like the housing bubble burst in 2008, any economist could tell you that this was going to happen, not necessarily a pandemic, but an right. economic reset. And when that happens, the impact on that is catastrophic. You're already seeing it now. The school boards are already saying that they can't take any cutback, so they're going to increase the real estate property taxes, which is something I'm trying to eliminate 
Yeah. Uh, and as a result, what's happening is you're seeing more and more situations where people who work in government say, it's okay if everybody else takes a cut, but I'm not going to. Yeah, exactly. So it's a crisis and we have to address it very quickly. And if we don't address it, soon it will become too late and then we become insolvent yeah and and, you know obviously this show is called real estate news so there there, the the thing that i'm you know obviously concerned about is is real estate i mean we were talking in the green room before this whole before we got to hear a recording on this and you're from uh lebanon county and we you were saying that the thing that you're worried about is the appraisal values and 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 what's going to happen now because we have a 50-day period where nothing has has done anything in real estate brad and as you and i have talked before, one of the gravest dangers is that real estate is a, an engine for any economy. And it's an economic engine of almost unparalleled proportions. And when you look at the impact of what the governor's actions have done by shutting down real estate, I'm one of the people literally, as soon as his executive order went into effect, I sent a letter to the governor and I said, you need to be careful. You should allow real estate transactions to continue because when you disrupt those financial markets, uh, one of the turnarounds that I did, I was an interim CFO of a publicly traded bank, and they got into some difficulty during the 2000 and 2008, 2009 market meltdown of real estate. And what I said is to the governor, I said, you interfere with those markets. You've got a number of things that happen. First, you've got appraisals. The longer it goes from the time the appraisal's been done and the closing takes place, the more likely it is that the buyer of the mortgage, which is typically no longer the bank, will say, I'm not interested in buying that property or or financing that property anymore. You start to destabilize that, and it becomes a problem. But the governor ignored it. He continued to shut down. I was a co-sponsor of Todd Polinchak's bill, House Bill 2412, which passed the House a week ago. And 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 by the way, we had bipartisan support. Yeah, we, I know. We were very we were very close to being able to override a, a veto, but the uh, the governor has already indicated that he intends to veto that if it if it happens. And and here's what I would caution everybody about you you those of us and you in particular being in real estate, you know that when you start destabilizing the appraised values, now you have 50 days. It could be by the time June 4th rolls around, since we're in the Red County area still, and the governor just made that announcement, you add an additional four weeks onto this period. Now, all of a sudden, comparable values mean nothing. So from my economic forecast, I'm expecting that housing prices and real estate prices will decline anywhere from 10% to 25% in the uh, southeastern part of Pennsylvania and south-central part of Pennsylvania until some market stabilizes at some point in time. Fortunately, we had a really strong economy beforehand, so the sooner we can get this back up and running, the better we will be. I agree with you 100%. And, you know, I just don't understand. I mean, we're now looking at, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, I think Michigan even now considers uh, real estate essential. What What is it that could possibly be in his mind that, that, that real estate is not essential? And he just came out also yesterday and said um, that they want to make sure that people don't lose their homes and that people, renters aren't kicked out. So there he thinks it's essential to have a home, but it's not essential to be able to do anything else with a house? I don't get it. 
I have never seen anything so inconsistent and inconceivable in my entire life. So a couple different issues. First of all, anybody who doesn't think that housing is essential has never lived in a foxhole. And as someone who has dug one, uh, I, I will tell you that uh, it's uh, not necessarily the most enjoyable place to live. Um, uh, although the one good piece of it is I never had to pay real estate taxes. This when is I was, true. This uh, is true. In, in the combat zone. Yeah, but you're possibly uh, paying it, with your life. That's uh, I think that's a little bit more than real estate tax. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll concede that. Uh, but then on top of that, when he said, "Look, you you can't do any evictions uh, or foreclosures during the period of time," and and I understand. The, the turmoil and trauma that everyone's going through in the financial markets, but it's sending a false sense of hope to people. And and in my world of keeping companies and organizations and individuals out of bankruptcy, he didn't say we're forgiving those payments that have to be made. What he's saying is they're going to postpone until July the foreclosure action. So if people, uh, as an example, get the unemployment compensation and decide that they don't have to pay rent because they don't understand what the governor did, they'll find out that all they've just done is postpone their eviction notice to July. Yeah, exactly. And, and so it's – it's a, and at the same time, the person who, who owns the real estate, if they happen to – 44% of Pennsylvania's rent. Wow. So that means people who own real estate – and are, are renting out to people, may find, and this is what I'm extraordinarily concerned about, they may find that real estate's no longer a good investment for them. And so then they will, you'll see a major shrinkage of the real estate rental market where people just decide this is just not worthwhile investment uh, for me to undertake. Then yeah. there's the spillover effect. The governor can do whatever he wants. The problem is, by the way, we do have some ability to stop some of these actions. But, Thank goodness. But uh, the, uh, he can try to do whatever he wants, but what he can't do, the federal regulators with uh, Federal Reserve and the FDIC, they will determine the loan loss reserves that the banks who are lending to real estate will have to establish. And all of a sudden, you'll see a massive credit crunch in Pennsylvania which is sending the message to banks that Pennsylvania is no longer a viable place to do business. Yeah. And that's an industry that I spent a great deal of time in. So the, the economic reverberation of what the governor is doing is almost catastrophic. And it, it somewhat causes me a concern that there's not someone on his staff that's what that understands that. Yeah, like that's what but I don't I, get. Is he not taking any advice uh, from he's anybody? Asking. He's not asking. He's not asking. He's not. Because I can tell you, the Secretary of Banking uh, is, is actually a really talented person. And and the prior Secretary of Banking, was, she and I were very uh, – we, we were becoming close friends, but we were close acquaintances because we were on the PISA's board of directors together. Mm -hmm. Very talented. And so what I'm finding is that uh, from our experience that the executive branch, the people who are running the Secretary of Levine – and the governor are not necessarily asking people for advice outside of the, the health area. So the economic consequences of what they're doing will be far felt. I talk about House Bill 2412 real quick. Um, I know that uh, Jim Cox has kept me up to date on that. And we have a really good uh, governor affairs director for our Reading Berks Association of Realtors, John Savant. It's very involved. And he has talked to me about that. And I think that's uh, we're trying to get the Senate to come back and actually vote for that on the 11th of May, which would be this Monday. That's my that's my understanding as well, and then uh, we think we can convince enough people uh, on the uh, on both sides of the aisle 
that we can get a veto-proof majority. And so I'm, I'm, I'm going to use the word cautiously optimistic. Yeah, yeah. But this is where grassroots effort comes in, as you said just a few minutes ago. The more people you can get to call their representative, uh, particularly those who voted no. Yes. I mean, those, well, those and people I know, who voted um, yes. Mark Rossi is one of our reps here uh, locally, and uh, I believe that that he is. What I'm hearing is that he would be willing to vote yes this time if it has the the proper changes or whatever on that. Well, I'm not sure what changes he would need, but I will tell you that this bill makes sense. It made sense with the original version. Yeah. The problem with when someone makes a comment to you like that, let me let me translate this after only three and a half years in the legislature. When someone says with changes, that just put another two week delay on the bill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and then all of a sudden you're June fourth. Yeah, exactly. So so let me we, just put We can't go past June fourth. I mean we can't even real you, estate right now, we can't go past today. I mean, yeah, really, we can't. Make, we can't, but let me make sure people understand what's going on. So if if the Senate comes back on the 11th and starts looking at it, they've got to look at it three days in a row. That means they could conceivably get it done by May 13th. From that date, the governor's got 10 days to That's sign just... it. Now, but, but he, just so you're aware, here's what happens. If the Senate makes any changes to the bill at all, it has to go back to the House of Representatives, which adds another four days. Wow. So, so when I hear people make comments uh, of, of, you know, yes, I, I would approve this bill with changes, yeah. all that is is a stall tactic. Yeah. And I, I think the world of Mark, I really do. Yeah. But, oh, he's a good guy. I insane. like Mark. Mm-hmm. But that's insane. Yeah. We need to get this done now. We need to cut through all the minutiae. We need to make sure that people are served well. And we need to make sure that the essential nature of housing and real estate is reaffirmed in the economy. And I will tell you, as every day goes by where real estate and the Pennsylvania economy is shut down, the damage that's being done to the economy will be so severe that I'm not convinced that Pennsylvania can be pulled out of it. And we may find ourselves seeking bankruptcy protection. Yeah, and that's why that's... I did my House Bill 1995, which was called the Keystone Solvency Operating Study, which was to help us understand and navigate what's going to happen with bankruptcy. I'd also like, if you don't mind, Bradley, like to just give kind of a warning to everybody who's on a school board. Keep in mind, this what the governor has just done is also made certain that you've got a situation where you can't foreclose on properties either if someone's no longer paying their property taxes. Oh, interesting. when, when they realize that I would encourage it, that you will start to see a significant increase annually in Pennsylvania, about $500 million gets unpaid in property taxes until the property tax, the property gets ready to go into foreclosure. Then they start capturing some of those dollars. Yeah, yeah. And so if we anticipate if this recession goes on much longer, that number is going to be a billion dollars. Oh, and so then the schools are going to be cut short that much more. And concurrent with that, a significant portion of money that we get from the Commonwealth is from real estate transfer taxes. Yep. And we're getting zero now. Yeah. I know. There's, well, there's, there's not hardly anything coming in. I mean, and right. that's the thing is that I, I, you can't keep this – whole engine shut down and and act like it's not going to make some major major uh changes in our lives i mean it, this is going to be long this is going to go long past june 4th and that's why i keep saying everybody we have to get started now and 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 everybody i think what it is too is everybody looks at there's two sides of this there's the there's the virus and there's the economy and i think that both can 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 work together this virus is not going to go away even june 4th it's not going away 
So my thing is this, can't we coexist with this virus? Let's come up with safe ways to, to go back to work and be able to work and do things we need to do while the virus is, is weaning its way out. Brad, this is so irresponsible. Let me give you an example. 68% of all the deaths are, of COVID-19 are happening in senior centers. And what people have to be aware of is in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, 10% of the deaths that happened since COVID-19 breakout have been due to COVID-19. The rest have been for other reasons. Yeah. And, and death and, and losing a life is, is serious. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pro-life person. I, I believe in the, in the sanctity of life. But, but we have to recognize that if you end up taking actions to prevent someone from getting uh, the spread of COVID-19, but then you inadvertently create a situation in which a, the state is, is putting itself in a greater uh, risk relative to other types of illnesses, suicides yeah. are up. Yeah. We, we know child abuse is up. We yeah. know drinking and alcoholism is up significantly. So you can't look at health in isolation. You have to look in totality. And then the thing that I find the most offensive at all, at the same time this is all going on, the Department of Health in Pennsylvania required senior centers to take active COVID-19 cases back into the centers and at the same time suspended the inspections of these senior centers, which helped cause some of the significant spread of COVID-19 within the senior centers. Yeah. So, so this is absolutely uh, pathetic that this kind of thing would be going on the way it is. And so what we're, what we're hoping to have happen is that we can accentuate the understanding that public health is inclusive of everything, not just COVID-19, and that we have to realize that we have to be able to mitigate it. We have to trust people to use their common sense and judgment. Yep. If someone, I just said this, had this discussion with my wife. I said, if someone is that afraid to go out because of COVID-19, then don't. Yeah, I agree. But, but, but don't put in a situation where everyone is required to stay at home. And we're finding New York, uh, the governor of New York, uh, Governor Cuomo, admitted yesterday that 70% of all COVID-19 cases happened from people who were sequestered at home. And, and these are the active diagnosis cases. Yeah. So so you, we have to use our judgment. We have to look at sanitation. We have to look at hygiene. We have to look at common sense. And we have to trust people that they can run their lives better than government can run their lives. I agree. I agree. And on that note, I got to tell you, we have to wrap this up. And I, I want to say thank you so much for our for agreeing to come on the show here. You have a lot of knowledge. Uh, I appreciate your, your service to uh, the state and to our country. Uh, Frank, hopefully we can do this again sometime. Uh, any last last second note? No, but Brad, I just want to thank you, and I want to thank all the real estate agents and, and everybody in real estate. I promise you we'll keep fighting this battle, and uh, please hang in there and, and stay in touch because we want to help you in any way that we can. Thanks so much, Frank. Keep up the fight, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again. So there you have it. Frank Ryan, PA House Rep from Lebanon County, and I want to say thank you to him and thank you for all that they're doing. And we'll talk to you and see you real soon.